Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to a lingering Super Bowl hangover edition of Believe in 49ers, presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I am your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III. That is triple I for the third. You can also catch all of my written work about the Niners via USA Today's Niners Wire. So if you're interested in all of that, you know where to go. All right, let's get into it. We are five days out from the Super Bowl. It feels like it was a month ago and it was yesterday all in the same time. Like I said, it is a hangover, but a not a fun hangover, nothing to be proud about the next day. And before we kind of move on from the Super Bowl and turn our attention to the offseason, we need kind of a proper memorial for the 49ers Super Bowl run. And after marinating for the past few days, there's still some things to talk about, along with the news of Kyle Shanahan's firing of Steve Wilkes, the looming drama surrounding Brandon Ayuk's contract. And as we record, we just got some news. Jimmy Garoppolo will be looking for a new home this offseason. And to talk about all that and more, I tapped an old friend, my guy, Jose Sanchez of Sports Illustrated's All 49ers Fan Nation, does a ton of amazing work around the 49ers. I feel like every time I open up Twitter, I see him posting a new piece on the 49ers. He is the deputy editor working with my guy, Grant Cohn, another former Press Democrat alum. Even though me and Grant never worked together, I still kind of feel like I'm under the Grant Cohn coaching tree, if that makes sense. And Jose, back in the day, a lot of people don't know this, but now they will. Back in the day, when me and Jose were both kind of cutting our teeth in this game, usually kind of sat next to him in the press box, always enjoyed talking ball with him back then. And now we're going to do that here on Believe in 49ers for you. But before we get to Jose, I have a quick message from our friends over at Bet Bet BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with live in-game betting, contests, and all the player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime for your, from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to BetOnline today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. All right. Now. You just heard me talking about him to welcome on my friend, Jose Sanchez. You can follow him on Twitter, J Sanchez, S A N C H E Z F N. Jose, that was a lot. You got to sit through that whole intro. How did I do? Did it, do I get a grade? You, you're one of the few guests that got to see the full performance. Oh, wow. I'm one of the first. If I'm one of the first, that's an A plus yeah. then. <laughs> that's an A plus. Now, your future guests, your future guests can start to be a little harsh because. By that time, you'll be seasoned, and if Absolutely. it's still, I, they, can, they, can, they can be the judge after a bunch of, they, they know what the, de- what the data is, what the sample size is, I and how to judge the rest of it. You watching me. I felt a little pressure with you watching me there. <laughs> All right, Jose, so like I said, we're five days out from the Super Bowl. How are you feeling? How are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> um, I'm thinking that that should have been the Niners Super Bowl victory. Um, I get that was Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs. I get it, but that was your Super Bowl. That was yours. I I do not care like how great the defense of the Chiefs showed up that day. You're Colin Shanahan. The strength is in your offense. Figure it out. All right, figure it out. And your guys need to execute and play better. 
and it just it clearly was just not enough and the funny part is even though it wasn't enough you were still in the game all the way to the end it took overtime for you to lose so to me it's like you had all the pressure in the world this is your super bowl we kept saying everyone kept saying like this is a down year for Mahomes, down year for the chiefs like they're kind of not lucky to be there but it's like there's no there's no better moment for you guys to win it the nfc was weak you finally have your quarterback this is your best offense under shanahan get it go out there and take it that's something that all the players said post games like super bowls are taken not not won or given and they definitely were not taking it the defense showed up which was the crazy part to me i think the defense is going to be one of the reasons why they lost and they weren't and and i get the final two drives right final drive and regulation final drive in overtime like they collapsed but hey you tell me you tell any team in this league hey we're gonna hold patrick mahomes to 16 19 points in regulation um he's not gonna do anything for about three and a half three thirds of a quarter everyone's signing up for that like hell yeah everyone's signing up for that 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 was just insane to me like how many chances the niners had like the the times the the defense tried to give them momentum on offense and they just couldn't do it and you know props up to the chiefs but look using the 49ers you guys should execute better and shannon should have had it figured out and they didn't yeah i think that's one thing that's really gonna like make this loss especially sting because even dating back to four years ago, you can talk about like Jimmy Garoppolo missing throws, the interception. This one felt more obtainable to that one. And I think the fact, all the stuff that you brought up that they kind of took the chief's best shot, made some mistakes and still had a chance to win this game. And kind of the more I think about this game, I I, I do think a lot about Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think, you know, we're just, I've been asked about this a lot myself over the last week. It's like, I feel like we're just witnessing one of the best players of our generation in Patrick Mahomes. 49er fans have seen it twice. You've been there twice in person at two of these Super Bowls where Patrick Mahomes did go out there and take it. I kind of do lean a little bit towards Patrick Mahomes went out and won this game versus the 49ers blew it. Am I crazy for saying that? Is there like a percentage number you'd put the blame on where Patrick Mahomes is just great and he went out and won that thing or the 49ers actually blew this? Yeah, it's a little hard to say like they, I mean, I think the chance that they won it is kind of blown, but in terms of like, you know, people say another 10-0 lead that Shanahan blew and it's like, all right, relax. The 10-0 lead came in the second quarter. Like if there's there's this thing as the lead being safe in the second quarter, if that was the case, they should have lost to the Lions. So to me, that that's not that's not that's not really applicable in the situation. It was four years ago, right? When there's six minutes left and you're up by ten, like that was embarrassing. But this one is just I just mean like collectively, like your chance was kind of blown. Like everywhere was just, like destroyed it. And yeah, Mahomes went out there, won it for sure, but you're the ones that gave him that chance, right? You had plenty of drives in the first, second, third, and fourth quarter to really put your foot on their necks, and you just didn't. Like, no, no lead is safe, whether it's 7 points, 10 points against Mahomes. You guys gave him that life. And honestly, from the very moment that I saw that the 49ers failed to convert on 3rd and 4 at the 2-minute warning of the 4th quarter, it, it was it was pretty much written to me. And I said it in a video, too. I think on one of my articles, like, hmm, Patrick Mahomes, 2 minutes left, 2, min- two timeouts, has the field to work for a field goal or a touchdown to win or tie the game. I've seen this movie before. Did the 49ers just blow the chance to win it? I think they did. And they did. And sure, they went to overtime. But <laughs> you give Mahomes, you give the great stuff life. That's like, oh my god, I've been stinky all game. Now I have a chance to really pull out and win this. Like, no, you guys blew it. You guys blew it in that sense. So yeah, it's a sense of Mahomes definitely won it. 
because you gave him so many opportunities for like 80 after the 80 first 80 95 percent of the game that you could have done it yeah i mean i think um what really kind of stands out to me and especially after re-watching it i'm just shocked that once they completed that late pass with you know seconds on the clock to travis kelsey and he got them up to the you know basically the goal line and i was like patrick mahomes two chances at the end zone you know he's gonna throw it to the end zone at least twice I thought the 49ers dodged a crazy bullet with that, just even forcing mm-hmm. it to overtime and not getting there. Um, but yeah, I've just, I also, as much as I think the 49ers kind of are going to be, you know, hurting from this one and they do, there is a lot of places of blame that we can talk about, but they're also, I think we do need to give a little credit to Patrick Mahomes because this guy is just the best thing going. And I think you look around the NFL now and he's enemy number one. If we're going to win the Super Bowl, it basically runs through him because we've seen this year how bad the chiefs looked and still they just roll absolutely rolled in the playoffs. But talking about that blame, Kyle Shanahan has been under a lot of fire and I think it's fair. I think a lot of it's fair, but I also kind of sometimes feel the need to defend Kyle Shanahan because he still took, you know, the last pick in the draft to the super bowl in his second season. I thought this was probably one of his better seasons from start to finish as a coach. I thought as a play caller specifically, I thought he looked really well throughout the year obviously you know things went weary in the super bowl in terms of confidence jose because this i think this conversation is going to linger deep into next season and it's just something that when you hear the name kyle shanahan you think about these kind of super bowl failures what does you know kyle shanahan have to show to give you confidence he can win a super bowl because the last two attempts now with this guy i mean he's had significant leads I know it came early, but that, I mean, the, the 49ers are essentially spotted 10 points in this game and couldn't get it done. Do you have any confidence left at this point? I mean, what's it going to take? What? Cause I think there does need to be growth. And I know that kind of sounds crazy from like a veteran coach that we've seen take his team to multiple Super Bowls. but what growth needs to happen from Kyle Shanahan to like bring you confidence that he can actually get this done. Because even if the 49ers find themselves in the same position next year, playing for the Super Bowl, you know there's going to be so many people out there being like, oh, God, here we go again. You know Kyle Shanahan's going to blow this. Yeah, my confidence is definitely taking a hit. Look, I think he's going to win one at some point in his career, but in terms of like with the 49ers, the next year or two or even three, it's it's definitely dwindled because it starts with how do these guys willfully pick themselves up? Like, how do they pick up the shattered pieces and glue them back together and really like, re- re- uh, you know, full steam ahead next season? Because at this point, it's like, what about who cares about the regular season? I, I can I fully anticipate the Niners going ten wins and just you know just trying to make a run in the playoffs. Because at this point, who cares about the regular season? The 49ers. just get in and make a run. Um, in terms of Super Bowl. What I need to see for him more is I kind of want to probably see a little bit more better of a straight up outright drop back passing game because I feel like he that that offense if it's just predicated one dimensional in that facet that it's not necessarily like the upper echelon of offenses whereas like unless the unless the running game is really uh, really clicking then he can like kind of tie that together and make his passing offense better because he does a lot of running out of formations and and pass formations on the same look and if the run's not there no one's threatened by it and they're locking it up then it's like, okay, well, what else is there? He's going to pass it. So I kind of felt like in that sense they were doing that. Now, Spagnuolo did a lot in that game to really, like, mix up the coverages and really like, confuse Purdy. So I think in that sense, like, Shannon will have a better shot because hopefully Purdy learns from that. 
Um, but I think Shannon is just trying to figure out a way, like uh, identify what, what that they're doing that and know the plays that are safe to get away from that situation. Because like that third and fourth play in overtime, right? How they allow the free rusher. Like why is Shanahan calling a play that pulls the center that that's designed to leave a free rusher? Like that's a fact. Like that's Jeff Schwartz said it. Like everyone, like that's a fact that a free rusher was designed. And actually, that's something the Niners, Kyle Shanahan, have done for most of the season. There's like probably a couple plays a game where he allows a free rusher and it's on the quarterback to get the ball out of his hands. But in that sense, it's like yo, they've been blitzing you like crazy. The pressure overall has been crazy. Why would you not like factor that in? Why why would you not do that? So that to me was confusing. That he didn't do that because again, the for the quarterback of the 49ers offense under Kyle Shan is not allowed to do the protections or reset any of that. It resides with the center. And if he's not able to do that, if you're not able to call the right call, then well, to me it's about adapting better to what the defense is doing and then probably try, trying to polish up more of your drop back passing game. You have the quarterback to do it. So now it's no excuses for you why you can't improve in that area. Yeah, and it seems like as much as you just mentioned he confused Spagnolo confused confused Brock Purdy it seemed like Kyle Shanahan was confused as well seeing all that cover zero seeing all the blitzing you're talking about the play calling it was wonky it was what some of the throughout the playoffs especially against Detroit with the lack of Christian McCaffrey things it was like his two worst games he probably called back to back in the Mm -hmm. biggest moments of the season and I think that kind of adds fuel to this like narrative surrounding Kyle Shanahan and I think all the muster of like he's this hot young amazing offensive play caller has kind of gone away. Now you look at him as the guy that can't do it. Um, kind of putting, you know, the nail in the coffin on this Super Bowl here, moving on because the drama did not stop with the 49ers loss on Sunday to the, the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. There's an interesting offseason ahead for us here in the Bay Area and anyone that covers the 49ers. And some of that news started already is with the departure of Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator. And Jose, I kind of want to tell you my opinion because you and I have both probably listened to way too many Kyle Shanahan press conferences to count. And it was a funky start with the Steve Wilkes era from basically day one when they announced, hey, we want to kind of keep this Seattle cover three system here in the Bay Area where Steve Wilkes wanted to do things differently. And then I don't know, like I said, we've listened to so many Shanahan pressers. I don't know if I've ever heard Kyle specifically kind of call out a coach or a elite assistant like he did with Wilkes multiple times during the season. I mean, after the Minnesota loss, we he brought up the coverages. We uh, there's obviously a lot of drama. We talked about it here on this podcast of if he's going to come down from the booth, if he's going to stay up there. He obviously came down to the field and it was just funky from the jump, and I don't really think that decision to kind of move on from Wilkes was based strictly on the Super Bowl, I kind of felt like this thing was festering for a little while. Do you think the exit from Steve Wilkes was kind of dead on arrival or are you dealing more towards this was the Super Bowl scapegoat? There's no way that was a Super Bowl scapegoat. I mean, the defense was the best part of that game. The only reason why they're in it. Uh, yeah, this has been something that's been brewing. And you notice the only ones who are saying it's a scapegoat are like the people who have been watching the Niners every week. Like the national yeah. people, local people was like, it's like, oh yeah, this was coming. And national people were like, what is he doing? It's like, okay, like this, this is where you gotta get your, most of your sources from people who actually watch or <laughs> pay attention. But yeah, it really kind of, or even listen to Kyle Shanahan for that, or even listen. And it really like the first domino got pushed was that Minnesota game, like you said. Um, 
and I will say that I kind of felt like he was that that time he was kind of being scapegoated to be honest because I remember it's like yeah the defense being off and initially I kind of fell into that trap like yeah the defense has to be better because in my head they should but you look up on the scoreboard it's like wait a second they're only allowing like twenty points like that's pretty good like like it's yeah. it's not elite elite but it's pretty damn good. What about the offense? Often look to me, the media, the pressure has always been the strength of the first time of the 49ers in years since under Shanahan has been in their offense, whereas years prior it's always been their defense, right? So this year it was like, why guys, why aren't you guys putting up our points? So I kind of felt like he got scapegoated during that stretch, the three-game losing streak. But ultimately, like, it was just clear, like, no one was in sync. The players didn't speak, like, ad nauseum about him like they would about Salah or D'Amico Ryans. So I think once you got the players already like, what the hell is this guy? Like, um... You got Shanahan having him to having to call him out, and then essentially indirectly forcing him to do a public apology at his own press conference. Steve Wilkes. So that was like, okay, <laughs> something's weird here. And then the Detroit Lions game is weird because you know the defense lack of effort, poor scheme, and running a ball towards. I mean, just that game in the last three games as well in terms of the ones that mattered. Um, so yeah, you know, it was just wonky from for like at least like the last like three months, and it was pretty much. You know, it was it was it was predictable. It it, it really was. Now I, I think what also like kind of factored into the players not buying in. Like maybe they would have bought in if it was consistently good. But you know, the first five games of the season, the defense was fine. No one was complaining. The defense was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it really did just take like some of the players like once they hit that rough pass, like the players started turning on them. And I think I think where you where your point stands in terms of was he day one dead on arrival kind of is the fact that he's an outsider. Right? How, who, who's been the defensive coordinator since 2017? Everyone in-house. First it was Salah, D'Amico Ryan's linebacker coach, then promoted. And all these players have pretty much been a continuity figure. They've been they've been together. They've been in structure together for years. And then you got this outsider who's trying to learn your guys' language, and he's trying to probably do his own thing, and you're a player like Fred Warner is like, nah, I don't mess with that. Like, what the hell is this? And that's why I think why he got kind of forced downstairs to, to the field is that was kind of a player advocacy, to be honest. So, yeah, I think they just kind of viewed him as an outsider. So, to me, if, if you're looking forward, like, do you go internal and then who? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think this the conversation for the next defensive coordinator, since it was so weird with Wilkes, because I want to say this, too. I don't think Steve Wilkes is, like, a poor football mind. I don't think he's, like, a bad NFL coach by any means. I don't think he doesn't deserve to be a defensive coordinator, doesn't deserve to be a head coach. We obviously saw what he did in Carolina. This guy has had success every pretty much everywhere he's gone to an extent and defensively at least. And I don't think, you know, Wilkes like he, he's going to go somewhere else and probably become a defensive coordinator pretty quickly here or have some higher rank in some sort of organization. Um, it just was weird for all the things you had just mentioned. And so I do think it kind of starts with the Chris Kusurik, um and goes from there. If he wants the job, I do think, they want to strive for continuity just because of all the things you had just mentioned. Um, but moving on to kind of, I think the figurehead of the 49ers off season, um, Brandon Ayuk, and we know how receivers are Jose. I mean, and honestly, like I don't blame him. Sometimes the theatrics kind of escalate things and getting paid. And it's just business. Like we saw it with Debo. We see it with wide receivers across the NFL. It's kind of how, they get these big contracts is becoming a little dramatic for how quickly it started with Ayuk was a little bit eye popping. I don't want to judge any of these guys coming off of a devastating Super Bowl loss. When my team loses anything of importance, I'll probably say some 
some things I don't actually mean in that in the moment if somebody's asking me some pointed questions. Um, but in your opinion, how serious is this? I mean, is there a chance we saw him play his final game in Santa Clara? Is does this kind of head towards a trade, a, a whatever? Basically, Brandon Ayuk's exit at some point here from the 49ers this offseason. I, there's definitely always a chance, right? Once the 49ers pretty much t- traded Forrest Buckner, pretty much it kind of always set a little bit in the back of our minds that, okay, they can trade some pretty good talent that's, you know, viewed as a cornerstone, you would say. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a chance. And then there's always also the sound of crap crunch of, like, how do we fit this? We're going to have two highly paid wide receivers. Other guys, you know, the can can't keep kicking the can down the road because, you know, I mean, you could in theory – but then you're gonna turn it to New Orleans Saints, where it's like, ah, we're still, we're still eating, we're still eating this cash from this guy who's 38 years old, and he's a shell of himself, and that kind of sucks. So I think that's why, you know, if you don't view a trade with Ayuk, you're gonna view a trade with someone else. And so I think, I, I think I'm gonna lean towards he's gonna stay, and he's gonna get extended because you have to. You gotta give Brock Purdy that, you know, elite receiver because he's an All Pro, right? So he is pretty much like borderline elite, if not elite. Um, you want to keep him paired together for him for together for a good few years um so i think he's gonna stay you know all that all those little like you know announcements like it, it's typical we saw it from debo right we see it from every receiver we see it from even other players so it's something it's something out of the ordinary um why well, i think it's probably a little odd um but maybe understandable is how hardcore he's already hitting the social media streets right it's it's barely been it was it barely was a day two or three since the Super Bowl, and my guy is, like, sending messages through other people. He's doing his own messages, and it's like, damn, dude. Like, your wound hasn't even sealed up yet. There's no scab there yet. There's no scar. Um, so, to me, where I'm taking that is, it's part of, like, hey, pay me. But also, he's pissed off because he wasn't really a focal point in that Super Bowl. And he wasn't. Yeah. He had three catches for, what, 30 yards? That's not enough. Now, maybe on some of the downs, he was getting locked up, sure. Um, and I know I've actually read... Ted Wynn of the Athletics, his magnificent article, they were actually sh- showing double team and fake double teams, so that was confusing Purdy. But again, that goes back to Kyle Shan. Like, dude, find out ways to get him off that double team, do ways to find the mismatches. And it, it didn't feel like he really, Shan had really focused anyone in his offense. He really kind of went widespread, just said, hey, whatever's the coverage, the coverage, just find someone. And it's like, no, like, when you have an all pro player, an elite player, Go to him a little more. Force feed him, you know? And then that way you dictate the defense to not fake double coverages. They are double coverages, and you can predict what they're doing with Debo and George Kittle and Juwan Jennings. Um, but, yeah, I'm not too worried about him. They got to get that deal done. And, you know, it's probably will come to the cost that one of their other top players, like maybe like a George Kittle or Eric Armstead or whoever, but it's worth it because he's at this point like a top five player you have to retain. Absolutely. And, you know, if I'm ever unhappy with my current situation and I'm trying to get paid, you know, I'm going to be hitting up my guy Jose to post some stuff on social <laughs> media. So, so the boss is at the top. Get Tommy is pissed off. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it. Uh, uh, we're talking to our guy Jose Sanchez here on Believe in 49ers. Just a couple more questions for you. Kind of kind of put you on the spot here a little bit uh, with these next two, but you know, what makes the NFL offseason as a whole exciting is kind of all the surprises, right? I mean, there's always kind of something unexpected around the corner, whether that's a big trade or a team breaks out the bank for a certain player. Like, even I would say last year with the 49ers going after Javon Hargrave. I mean, that in my opinion, that was one of the better free agents available. And the 49ers, kind of the rich get richer, landed him. Um, when it comes to this offseason, do you kind of have like a surprise prediction, hot take 
you're sitting on, whether it's that's, you know, the 49ers chasing a big money free agent, trading a piece of their core, like we just talked about. Does anything kind of stand out to you that should get 49er fans maybe either scared or excited somewhere down the middle? Um, hmm. Not a bad one. Oh, uh, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna branch off of what I just said and someone they would trade. I think this is look four years ago after the Super Bowl they traded Buckner right because they were in a salary cap crunch. Someone had to get extended and stuff like that, and it's kind of close to that, if not very similar. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked. In fact, I'm expecting one of those players to get traded. Now, off the top of my head, I would think Eric Armstead first, but who the hell is going to trade for Eric Armstead? I mean, he is an impactful player, but his body is breaking down. It has been for the last two, maybe even three years. Um, plantar fasciitis showed up for him. He tore his meniscus. He broke his foot last year. So it's just, who's going to, who's going to trade like even a, more than a third round pick for a guy who's game played so much money and is always missing games or just, you know, just playing hurt. Well, I think someone they could really heavily look at is trading George Kittle. I think you saw in the Super Bowl that he was not a focal point at any point. I know he made that clutch fourth down catch, but outside of that, like, what do you do? Even in his past run blocking, both of them, he was kind of getting punked. I know there's that viral clip of him, like, not finishing the block on George Carnival left this, that mm-hmm. and the fumble that McCaffrey gets, that he's over there yeah. chanting, like, hey, what's up, George? And look, I'm on the side, like, that's George's fault. Not saying he could have recovered it. I don't think anyone's saying that. But look, Finish the damn play. Finish it. Why do we go? Why do we? Why is it when Jawan Jennings and Brian Ayuk we give them so much credit that they're playing to and through the whistle? But when the whistle is obviously not blown, we're okay with George like just you know lollygagging for those two seconds at towards the end. So yes, George Kittle is on you. You should have kept your block on him. You shouldn't have been. This is a Super Bowl, bro. Like I get it when you're laughing and you're pancaking someone. Like that's what you're supposed to do. And look, we saw in the Super Bowl that one tight end was impactful. The other one wasn't. Um, I never again want to hear who's better between Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. We just saw who is, and I get that Kittle can do both, but in a game where you really needed him to really take advantage of those safeties, he was nowhere to be found. The head coach didn't want to utilize him. Um, and I think the fact that he's coming off an all pro year and he still has got a little bit left in the tank in him for at least, I think at least two years, right? Um, Mm -hmm. that it would put any entice someone to be like, here's a first rounder, um, a second rounder for sure, but maybe you package some of those. I don't know. Maybe you give them. You, you, you give them George and one of your thirds for their first. I think you could probably get that. Because um, George, uh, George Kittles is still an excellent player. Coming off all poor year again. So I think that's where somewhere you want to look potentially for a trade. And remember, remember 49er fans out there listening, this is just a hot take prediction. This is just a, so don't get too festered because I know the departure of George Kittle would be heartbreaking, especially after coming off that Super Bowl. But yeah, I think that's an interesting name because I think the 49ers are might have to get a little funky here with their roster and the cap. Um, I'm going to kind of, you know, uh, put a button on just our Super Bowl. I mean, sorry, our offseason outlook, if you want to say. Uh, Jose, you, you know I love the draft and covering here for the 49ers. It's been a bit boring over the last couple of years because they haven't had yes. a ton of picks. Well, for the first time in a long time, it's kind of flipped. It's the opposite. They have <laughs> kind of an arsenal of picks heading into this draft, and uh, we're still a few months out. Kind of what's your early read on how you think – you don't have to list off players or anything like that, but how you think the 49ers will kind of attack this draft? Because they still, regardless of losing the Super Bowl, regardless of having kind of these cap situations we've just been talking about, this is still an elite, very stacked roster. They're going to be mm-hmm. bringing a lot of these guys back. So it's not going to be room for <laughs> – you know, 10 plus draft picks or whatever it is. Do they package some of these up for a player out there? Do they package it up for, to trade up for a luxury pick? Um, Kind of what positions are you interested in? How do you kind of see from 
two months, three months out, however far away we are now, how do you see kind of the draft for the 49ers? Yeah, that was always kind of hard, right? Especially when you're picking like last in the round, basically. Um, I don't know. That's one thing about me always in the draft that I give my hats off to you guys who are really hardcore into it. Um, I think you know my friend Matt Holder too. Like he's a big he's a big NFL draft guy. So it's like the fact that you guys are able to predict that is probably the best skill in any type of NFL facet more than even breaking down film. Because to me, it's I just like to say like I, th- I can project these players that I've been kind of read on or, but to me, I think I'll speak from a sense of. Position and need, offensive line. You, you got to look at offensive linemen at any point. And I think the fact that they're picking last in rounds, that's a perfect time to go get those offensive linemen. Because, you know, interior is probably where they should look at. Right guard, maybe even center, maybe even left guard. Um, maybe you can steal a tackle or trade up for one, a right tackle specifically. Because um, I think what I've seen from that Super Bowl is the Niners are probably a team that would benefit more from a very, very strong offensive line as opposed to a very, very strong offensive skill position array of players. Because that's pretty much what they have right now, right? They have an okay offensive line, and they have a very strong uh, offensive skill set of players. I, if you flip them, I think they're more fit that way because it'll make the run game much easier with McCaffrey or whoever's running the ball. It'll make it easier for Purdy to probably pick apart defenses and sit in the pocket, and then maybe you just let him scramble and make a play on his own. Uh, and then you have Kyle Shanahan who can figure out um, good routes that can scheme guys open. You know, that's why he gets paid the big bucks. That's why he's quoted, quoted the genius. Cause in that sense, you could just, you don't really need, you know, those amazing receivers that you have. You could just get, do buy with just two of them and then a bunch of middling guys, um, or just one of them. <clears throat> so I would like to look at that with sense of who's going to be a guard that they can pick up. Cause right guard, man, is, is not it. You got Feliciano stepping in there. Spencer Burford yeah. has just been, has been treated like a basketball player with the rotation wise, which is so bizarre to me. So I think you're looking at there as number one. And then number two, who's opposite of Nick Bosa? It's not Jake Jackson. You know, God forbid you're bringing Chase Young back. He's just a guy. Um, those are these are the top two you're going to look at. It starts in the trenches again. You know, that's what they did four years ago, right? They traded Buckner. They invested in there. They signed people. And I think that's where you and, – and they got Chad Williams too. So I think it's the same thing. Build your, build your defensive line. Build your offensive line. Sturdy those up because honestly, linebacker is fine. Your secondary has always been fine. I know everyone cries about the 49ers secondary, which has always been fine to me. And your receiver, every everyone's fine. Just literally, if you just invested everywhere there and the offensive line, defensive line for like half your picks, I don't think anyone will complain. You need to find at least yeah. one good gem there. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I think it kind of starts and stops the draft stuff with the trenches. And here on Believing 49ers, got a lot of exciting stuff coming up for the draft, got some cool interviews with some prospects lined up coming up here for you guys to kind of nice. shake away from that that super bowl hangover but all right jose <laughs> that was my last niners question but i could not let you go without asking you one ufc question <laughs> that's here right he liked it here on here on believing 49ers usually before a big fight card or really any fight card i'll give out some of my picks the listeners here know i'm obviously a big jujitsu guy trained jujitsu and really, really excited for the fight tomorrow. In my opinion, one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. Maybe as excited mm-hmm. as we are for UFC 300. This weekend in Anaheim, I'm super bummed I'm not going. Feels like the first <laughs> fight in California in forever. Yeah. 24 hours away. Do you have any predictions? What's your feelings? Volk versus Ilya Toporia. I always kind of mess up his name. Robert no, that's Walker, Paulo Costa. Sedujo. I mean, I'm Marab versus Henry is I'm most excited probably for that fight. And that's like the third, that's like the middle of the road fight in this thing. I mean, Marab's a machine and just um, the man. I can't wait for tomorrow. 
what are your thoughts? You got some predictions in you? <laughs> yeah, I got some predictions. Those are yeah. I forget you're a UC guy, but I love yeah, USC, sure. man. That's that. I gotta start. I really want to start branching into my coverage in that because it's like same thing with football. It's kind of tied neck and neck yeah. with football though. It's so fun now. I've really loved it the last like yeah. six years. But um. Yeah, I mean, but real quick, yeah, 298, 299, 300, those are two, three consecutive stacked cards, insane. But the one in November was pretty stacked, too, I'd like to think, the one against yeah. Yuri and the Pereira. Like, but anyway, that digress. So if I'm going, oh, man, well, obviously off the, off the rip, you gotta go, I gotta, it's Volk, man. Ilya Teporia, like, look, he he's getting touted because, what, he, like, 10-8'd uh, Josh freaking Emmett, like, all five rounds? Like, come on. You didn't finish him. Like, look, look credit to him, of course. He's, he's, a, he's a damn good fighter. But come on, that's Volk. The only reason why Volk's getting shorted, and I'm gambling, he's like minus 120 Volk, which is insane to me. It's like, wow, that's the best odds you're ever gonna get Volk in in your life, um, and it's and ones that he's likely gonna win. It's because of he got he got head kicked KO by Islam Mahachev, and it's like, first of all, that was up in weight. He took it on 10 days notice. Like credit to him for even taking it. He shouldn't have taken it. I thought it was dangerous. So, but yeah. still, it's like, look, that's I think that's something I think anyone logically can say, ah, that's a wash. You know, it's kind of almost like an NFL, right? Where it's, okay, you just played the Eagles, you know, high emotional game, and the next week you play the Commanders, and you come up flat. It's like, yeah, because who gets up for the Commanders? That's short. That's almost like a short game notice on a Thursday or whatever type of thing. So, yeah, Volk's going to take it out. And then your co-mate, you got Bobby Knuckles and Paulo Costa. I'm surprised Paulo didn't pull out. <laughs> so, yeah, I got I to gotta go uh, I gotta go Whitaker for sure. I think he's going to get that back. And then... Marab and Henry Cejudo. But just as a fan, I'm rooting for Whitaker. I don't want, obviously, Acosta. I kind of agree with kind of everything you're putting out there right now. But uh, Whitaker, oh. just, uh, he's the he's the man. You know, it's hard to it's hard to not root for him. I think Whitaker's pissed off because him losing the DDP was insane to me. Um, so I think I think he's a little pissed off to that. And Paulo Acosta, I never, I can't take him serious. I feel like he's really overhyped. Yeah. He's just more of a character than he is a fighter. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like you said, Marab Devashili against Henry Cejudo. Is crazy to me, which is funny. Watching the press conference, Henry Cejudo's claiming Mexico, oh, oh, and I'm like, hell yeah, bro! That's part of the Mexican delegation. You are, we can claim you over Henry because Henry just talks about America. Like, I mean, it's fine to be America, but it's like, bro, don't disconnect your roots. Like, uh, like disrespect Mexico and stuff like that. So, yeah, we're going Marab, and he forgot the other one too. Jeffrey Neal, Ian Machado, Gary is gonna be a good one too. I think like, but I yeah. think Jeffrey Neal is gonna, I think Jeff Neal is gonna win that. I think wow, Jeff. I think he's. I think he's good. I think he's gonna win that. Yeah. I just. I don't. I just don't like Gary. And I feel like he shook. Um. And you forget the prelims too. The end of the prelims. Mackenzie Dern against Amanda Limos. That's kind of decent. Nice little name to watch. But yeah, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait for this car. I can't wait for the Ensui car. And then next week, actually, Mexico City. Brandon Moreno against um, Brandon Roy- Royval. Yeah. Yeah. Rodriguez against Brandon Ortega. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it's. Yeah. I'm excited. So, so yeah, be, those are my picks. It's gonna be awesome. I mean, in my opinion, I would say like Volk is probably one of my favorite fighters, if not my favorite mm-hmm. fighter in the UFC right now. Just it's hard to not have a ton of like the guy's just a true warrior. You talked about him taking the fight on the short day notice. I mean, absolute stud. And then Marab is no like, champion does that. No champions ever did that, Tommy. I was like, God damn! Like, why discredit him for the knockout? Give him credit. Going up yeah. and wait last he, minute notice, like especially against. And let's not like. He's fighting the absolute, the actual absolute like dog of the UFC. Yeah, it's not like he took that fight against a, against a chump. Like he went and fought maybe the toughest fighter in the UFC right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say Marab is like the guy I'm like must watch TV. You know, like he should be kind of in line for that title shot. I, I, obviously, if he wins this 
you can't really deny him anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm really excited, honestly, man. I think it's like one of the, and it works out perfectly. All star break, nothing really going yeah. on this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be a perfect, uh, perfect little uh, kind of start to the MMA 2024. I, I can't. It's it's crazy to think about everyone talking about UFC 300, and I'm looking at this card, and I'm like, man, this is this is as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets. So really excited, it's, obviously. Happy to have wait, you on. Tommy, one it's, of the reasons. Go ahead. <laughs> No, it's funny because all my family are diehard 49er fans. Like, I'm impartial to it all, right? I just like football. And it's like, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, thank God there's UFC on Saturday that we can all watch together because I need a break from football. I hate football, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's funny because they're all hurting from the Super Bowl. So this UFC is going to be a nice little change of pace and forget forget anything that happened type of ordeal. And when, uh, <laughs> when you know, I was even thinking about asking you to come on the show, I was kind of like, oh, I want to, like I said, I usually kind of end the, some of these pods before big fights like hey this is who i think is gonna win i'm really excited about this fight versus this fight this is you know and so i was saying like oh well at least i'll have jose on because i know you're a ufc fan. <laughs> you know, what happens when you ask someone that's not a ufc fan they're like what are you talking about think you're speaking yeah, like spanish to them or what that. <laughs> i usually just avoid that uh, did you see both dressed as an old man that was funny hilarious i mean perfect he's, so he likeable, relaxed. he's, so li- he's relaxed he's relaxed that's why he's gonna win yeah. he's so like i do think taporia is a an absolute dog but i mean yeah maybe not yet maybe not i think he'll have his time eventually but um volk is just i'll never root against volk almost ever uh <laughs> no. awesome well jose thank you so much for sticking around and talking some ufc to kind of wind <laughs> down the podcast hopefully you didn't just skip through that and you got a kick out of it and i think there <laughs> is like you're saying sports you know after a tough loss like i'm the type of guy when my team loses i just want to sit in like a dark room i'm not listening to podcasts i'm not really watching (laughs) shows anything like that and so kind of a like a standalone mma card or fight card whatever it may be is kind of the thing that can kind of help walk you back into the sports limelight a little bit because it is so exciting it is a little bit of a disconnection um so it's kind of fun to talk about that here like i said jose sanchez you can follow him on twitter at j sanchez s-a-n-c-h-e-z-f-n on twitter and you can catch all of his written work videos with sports illustrators all 49ers with the man grant Cohn. you have to tell him how much i was hyping him up on this podcast spot i haven't talked <laughs> a little bit so you have to tell him hype him up uh but that's going to do it for us here in this interview with jose thank you so much jose for joining us on the podcast it was great to have you great to talk ball it's been a couple years so it was, it was really fun man thank you of course Tommy. thank you for having me on you know i can't say no to you absolutely <laughs> all right so that's going to wrap it up with Jose. A couple more minutes left here on Believe in 49ers. Going forward here on Believe, like I said, we're going to start absolutely hammering the NFL draft with some exciting prospect interviews coming up. We are also going to be talking about free agency and who I think will be the 49ers next defensive coordinator. All that and more coming up for you on Believe in 49ers. Shout out to our guest, Jose Sanchez with Sports Illustrated's All 49ers. You can follow him on Twitter at jsanchezfn. You'll see me tweeting about him after this podcast drops. And like I said, like I always say, you can hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk some ball or some UFC. You got a prospect or free agent you want me to talk about or look at. And if you want to talk hoops, you know I'm the Golden State Warriors, managing editor for USA Today's Warriors Wire. Thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. We will be talking soon. Believe in 49ers. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.